Hello SJHL fans, Jacob Faith joined by Jamie Nugsy Nugabauer. We are heading up to Flimflon for game six of the SJHL finals. We have a little bit of a, a literal CAA road report as we're coming to you um, just north of Southie on the way out of Regina up to Flimflon. Nugsy, we're back on the highway. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm really, really excited. Everybody who is everybody that's been around this series. Jacob has talked about how awesome the atmospheres have been, both at Affinity Place and Whitney. But okay, I'm gonna get myself in some trouble here, Jacob. Uh-oh. The Whitney Forum has been absolutely remarkable. I take nothing away from Affinity. I take nothing away from the Bruins fans. They've been awesome, especially my good buddy and yours, Pete Saragella, who's just been firing up the best pizzas in Estevan. Yep. But there's something magic about the Whitney Forum and the way that the, the community has responded. Have you even been surprised or you knew it was coming, Jacob? You know what? Um, I've been warned. I was warned before Game <laughs> 3 about uh, about what the atmosphere is going to look like. But I have, I've never been a part of anything like that at the Whitney before. Um, and, you know, all of the uh, all of the warnings or the, uh, you know, the heads up, this is going to be loud. It, the expectations were exceeded for Games 3 and 4. Um, and I think uh, Tuesday night for Game 6 will be even them some. But, you know, at Game 5 in Estevan, like you said, was terrific. It was loud. The, the, the stadium was um, but uh, but you just can't replicate the old barn that the Whitney is um, and, and all the history and the memories that are made in that building so um, it, it's been awesome and, and really looking forward to you know game six and, and a possible game seven here I guess we'll see what happens we will see what happens so then that brings us to the to this moment and for you not if you're completely unaware of what's happened so far in the series uh, you know both teams won at home uh, both teams have won all their games at home Estevan has won three in Estevan, Flin Flon's won two in Flin Flon, and there's just been tons and tons of controversy and drama, so I'll ask you right off the top, Jacob, what is the one piece of, of drama or controversy that you think has captured you uh, the most out of all of them? The, the obvious answer, I think, would be Valentino picking up that yeah. moose leg after after game three, I believe that was. Um, you, you know you know the history of, you know, they call it the curse of the moose leg, what happened in 2016, I believe that was Mike Eskra, my good buddy Mike Eskra for uh, for the Weyburn Red Wings back then. Um, so, uh, you know what, the uh, the Estevan Bruins, um, they were, they were 5.8 seconds away from, you know, making that moose leg curse possibly come to life but they uh but they have life now but it's uh it's it's stealing the moose leg at the end of game three has got to be the most most controversial and, and exciting thing to happen so far what, what do you say well so uh, to comment about that there's a couple things one thing is that a lot of people who watched the clip said the photographer that jumped on the ice at the moment that mason kaspik and Brett Weechester were just about to commit maybe a crime on Jamie Valentino was that Kelly Coaster Jacobson, the photographer, did not go out there to close the door to keep the Estevan Bruins players on the ice in the line of fire, we'll call it. No, she went out there to physically defuse the situation. Right. That all being said, there was, there's been nothing diffused about the emotions and the passion uh, that we've seen out of that whole moose leg incident. It's been far and wide across Canada. People have asked me about it from the Maritimes and BC. It's been wild. What's the deal with this moose leg? I think that's fantastic. 
Uh, you know, I think it's interesting the competitive nature between these two teams, Jacob. And I, you know, I, I guess I'm curious whether you're you're surprised too about the fact that both teams are already in the Centennial Cup. Uh, we, a lot of people said, "Oh, they're just gonna, you know, lollygag. It's gonna be a spring hockey. It's gonna be a training camp. It's gonna be preseason intensity. Blah blah blah." I mean, th- there's been a spectrum. People like me who thought it would just be. Um, you know, great from start to finish as it has been, uh, or, you know, whether they would bring, you know, that less intensity. So are, are you as surprised or impressed as well about, uh, you know, how intense it's been, both teams desperate to win? You know what, I, those those rumors or those thoughts uh, were definitely there at the start of the series, perhaps. But once you get these, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds yeah. on the ice battling for um, you know, SJHL supremacy. There's no such thing as taking a shift off in the SJHL finals, and and you know what? It's it's definitely not difficult to to get up and you know show up for these games if you're these players. This is what you've been playing all year for. Obviously, they have the Centennial Cup guaranteed, um, but there's there's no there's no way to take the foot off the gas when you've made it this far, um, especially through the grueling season that it was. Um, camps opened up at the start of September, so these guys have been going at it for, whatever, eight months or so now, um, and, and they're near the finish line, and, and this is this is the main goal of, of every SJHL team, is to, is to win the SJHL championship, and you know, it, it's been it's been a long time for both these teams, and they have it in their grasp, and like you said, it's, it's been extremely competitive, um, and to be honest, no, I'm, I'm not all that surprised about the competitive nature and, and all the block shots and how these guys are laying their bodies on the line. It's it's the finals, man. It's uh, this is what you play hockey for. So, sure they have Centennial guaranteed, but that's a, that's a couple weeks down the road, and they'll they'll worry about that then. Um, right now, both teams are thinking about this game six here. You know, I asked Jason Tatarnik, the head coach and GM of the Estevan Bruins, about this very question of whether these two teams would kind of mail it in for the finals because it doesn't quote-unquote matter and he looked at me with a bit of a smile and he said you know what Jamie talking to our team talking to our players I I almost wonder if they're going to spend so much energy so much emotion so much passion to get Estevan its first championship since 1999 on the finals and and have anything left in the tank for the centennial that's where my head is at and we've kind of seen a little bit of that pacing from the Estevan Bruins, you know, over the course of this finals with the, the the lighter nature, I guess we'll say, of pregame skates and, you know, optional pregame skates and practicing, you know, not the same level of intensity that Mike Reagan and the Flynn Flon Bombers have, but that has nothing at all, let me tell you, to do with sort of a lack of interest or focus on this finals. That has to do with Jason Tatarnik saying, I know my guys are going to try to, you know, I'm trying to think of a politically correct term. Yeah. You know, just crush themselves, their souls, right. to win the, the SJHL championship. And the Centennial, they hope, will take care of itself. Um, so it's about trying to maintain that that emotion and, and that energy as well. So it's been it's been real interesting on that side. On the other side, another the thing that has really impressed me, Jacob, and again, I'd love to hear your thoughts, is the fact that uh, Gabriel Shipper was a guy that, for the Flint Flon Bombers, you know, had no guarantees to make the team back in camp. Mm-hmm. But then when he's playing, when he's in the full middle of the game, in the middle of the focus of both sides, whether it's with skill, with speed, with emotion, with shot blocking, whatever, the, bomb, the Flint Flint Bombers are that much better. 
right. you know, where is Gabe Shipper's MVP candidacy, candidacy to you, especially if he can come back from maybe an apparent injury and right. the Bombers can find a way. Well, he's but when you watch the games, he's you know he's the little firecracker that keeps uh, that keeps the flim flam Bombers going. He's the he's the little muscle hamster energy guy. And you saw that at the end of Game Four when he stepped up for his team and and he fought. Um, at the end of the game and I, I believe that might have been what led to the injury which kept him out of game five we'll see if he's in the lineup tomorrow for game six but he uh, he definitely is a difference maker with not just the energy he brings on the bench and on the ice um, and you see it in his pre-game warm-ups too he's he's got this grand you know warm-up stretching routine he's all over the concourse running around and laying on the ground stretching all over the place and he's he's one of the most dialed and most focused guys I've seen pregame aside from the goalies of course but he uh, he's he's definitely the heart and soul of well maybe not the heart and soul but he's uh, the energy guy the, the little firecracker as I said which keeps him going and how big of a, how big of a piece do you think that him missing games uh, game five was how, how important do you think that was to the game so it's a great question, and there's a couple of reasons that it's an enormous miss. One, one reason is the simple level of attrition that we're seeing right now. The Flin Flon Bombers are running low on fumes because the amount of players that keep getting injured are, it is obviously impossible to control, but you know, having another player, top six player, obviously be a big deal for the football bombers so there's that the second element is uh i think in we've what we've seen in the big moments when the things have gone well for the flin flan bombers you know game shippers there and again i'm not even a little bit saying that they lost game five because gabriel shipper wasn't there because he wasn't there to try to hold the two goal lead that the flin flan bombers actually you know, blue after it was a two nothing early lead, and when you're facing the Estevan Bruins, you know there's no save lead. So right. there's that, but he would have certainly helped. Yeah. He, you know he he's you know one of those guys in game two, for example. We were Rory and I on the broadcast. We're talking a lot about you know, man, where's the gas? Where's the energy for the Flin Flon Bombers coming from? Because clearly the whole outage situation and. The fact that there were all these delays had an impact, I think, on the emotion and the energy of the Flin Flon Bombers being the road team after having a long, long bus trip, you know, all that, uh, didn't have the fans behind them like they do at home. Uh, I think that was a big impact in game two. And, um, you know, there's an element of nerves. So maybe, maybe it took, you know, the likes of Shipper to take some time. But, you know, from the first beginning of game three, uh, basically every second of the games in Flin Flon, uh, the Bombers have been right up for it. And uh, a part of that, and one thing I talked to Mike Reagan, their head coach, about, was like the level of preparation you mentioned of, of Gabe Shipper. But what that allows him to do is be mentally and physically completely ready and loose for the first puck drop. And everybody's different. I'm not saying everybody needs to do what Gabe Shipper does. But, um, you know, he's in the middle of it whenever good things are, are happening and he's done a nice job uh, you know in, in all facets so they, to answer your question Jacob it was it's a big miss they could have won without him but you know he was he's a big miss and I'll ask you too you know one thing that I love to be paying close attention to over a series over playoffs over a year is you know how teams do their manage on special teams and yeah for me 
that's kind of been a huge way that this series has gone too. The first two games there were no power play goals. Middle games there was a ton of power play goals. And then uh, the last game, there wasn't that many, though a couple. I guess there was a couple by yeah. Flin Flon. But it's been interesting. You know, for, for the Flin Flon Bombers, the, the challenge, one of the challenges was really to score on the power play because this Estevan PK was something fierce coming in. What is it about the Flin Flon Bombers that have, you feel like have been able to help them be effective on the power play on special teams? Well, it all starts with uh, that that the, uh, Mayfair Diagnostics Defenseman of the Year, Xavier Lapointe, quarterbacking that power play. Um, he seems to be all over the puck every time they have that extra man running the umbrella from the point. Um, and obviously, he's a great talent. Um, they, they had two two power play goals in the first period in, in Game 5, um, and he assisted on the first one. He set up, I believe that was Mercier on that first goal, I believe. Um, and so it, it all runs through him. But, uh, but I think the, the biggest gripe with LaPointe as we're speaking on, uh, on special teams here is he's also one of their best penalty killers too, but I don't know how many penalties he has taken himself. 15. He's taken 15 penalties himself, which um, is, is, is a problem in itself for those Flim Flon Bombers. Um, but he, he is the, the quarterback of that power play for Flim Flon. Um, and you know what, Esteban did a great job. Boston Belowis did a great job of, of shutting that power play down. Um, you know, after after the first period, I suppose in Game Five, um, I think they had did they have eight or nine penalties, um, and and they only scored two of them. So that's under twenty five percent. Shout out to Boston Belowis. Um, he uh, I, I don't know if he got as much of um, you know maybe the credit that he deserved as as opposed to Cal Shell in that Game Five. Both goalies were great, but that uh, that penalty kill really. Um, kind of figured itself out there in in, uh, in game five. Well, that's a great way that you put it there, figured itself out, because I asked Jason Tatarnik, you know, what was the adjustment that you make? You know, you have two power plays against you, they score, and then you shut them down the rest of the game. It sounds like there was some sort of adjustment. Right. And uh, he didn't, he's literally said, you know, I'll be honest, he's, uh, how do I word this? Jason Tatarnik is, is very thoughtful and, and very, uh, he, 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 under, he, he pre, you know, he, he prepares for what he's going to say in certain situations. Yeah. Trying to word that the right way. He's well-versed with well, the media. Yeah, he's well-versed with the media. That's a great, better way to put it, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he said, you know, we you know we didn't make any adjustment, Jamie. Like, we just did what we were, to, like, we were supposed to do. Right. And I think a big part of that was being mindful of the space right in front of Boston below us. Because if Drew Kuzma is there, he's always going to be there for the Flint Flon Bombers. Six foot six, you know, good hands and tight, all that. Great, great playoffs for Drew Kuzma. Um, the, the Estevan Bruins were really getting sucked in on trying to move him and, and work on him and worry about him. And that actually got in Boston Belowis's way. And that got in the way of the flow of the penalty kills. So, uh, you know, he said there wasn't really an adjustment. It was just that our guys figured out, bought in. And, and I thought, well, on top of that was you're not letting Drew Kuzma kind of be this gravity, this gravitational pull in the, in the middle of that flip one power play that took another guy away, made it even easier for Jacob Vogler and Jaden Mercier and LaPointe we talked about just snapping that puck around. Uh, like, it's been beautiful to watch. Yeah. It hasn't always gone in, but the, the Estevan Bruins are perfectly happy with, you know, Jacob Vogler shooting on Boston below us and a shot below us can see number one and, and two is kind of from a funny angle 
Yeah. So, you know, it's it was interesting to watch an in-game adjustment by a team. But that's, you know, that's what you also kind of expect from an experienced team like the Estevan Bruins. So it's definitely, uh, definitely been a lot of fun, Jacob. You know, tell me, tell me about, uh, you know, the, the legs of the players, too, driving back and forth. You know, you and I have taken this road already back and forth and doing it again here. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you prepare when you know that your body isn't there 100%? Well, you, you speak to the legs, and uh, you, you know it's the travel. The travel the teams are, are used to at this point in the season. I feel like, especially Flimflon, um, they don't really have any short road trips on their schedule. Um, but it's uh, it's it, for for Flimflon, anyways. I feel like the injuries, especially at uh, at the end of game five, once we got to the third period in overtime, there was a lot of really tired bodies on that bench the roll up and having um with the broadcast i'm kind of in between the benches and um you know kind of gauging the energy of the teams on the bench now that since i'm down at ice level and and i could tell that um they the the flimflon bombers were were running on fumes there at the end and, and it really just seemed like a matter of time and overtime um not only just the shot block or uh, the 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 injuries because of that but they i don't know how many block shots that the flimflon bombers had um, in that game five, but they're, they're, they're wearing pucks. I don't think there's any guy that's playing not, you know, a little bruised or a little bit banged up. Um, and that's just a testament to, to everyone buying in. Um, and, and when you get, you know, back home in Flim, for Flim Flon specifically, when you get back home, I think the energy of the Whitney Forum, uh, I think the energy of the fans can really elevate, um, you know, maybe those dead legs a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't really think that the travel really has all that much to do with you know the tiredness of the players i think there's been a lot of games played and sure there's a lot of miles being put on but we're we're here in may these players have been doing this for months this season and years of their career now so, so they're used to the travel but um it's it's the it's a whole lot of kilometers on the ice um back and forth throughout this series um and and throughout the playoffs which i think may have may have more of a play on the, on the you know, the, the dead legs as opposed to the travel, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun. Uh, make sure you tune in on SaskTel channel. Uh, 38, or, yeah, 48 and 348. That's right. Sorry for uh, putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I had to remember that I one. I didn't mean to jolt you there. And uh, obviously, Hockey TV, hope it works really well. For sure. Obviously, we really appreciate the partnership of Hockey TV, but, uh, yeah. A lot of people have been a little bit upset about the hockey TV going down. Yeah. But, uh, hey, we're doing our best. Everybody's doing our best. Yeah. Um, but, but before we sign off here, Nugsy, we got to touch on the two goaltenders. Cal Shell obviously has been terrific for the Flint Flon Bombers. Boston Below Us as well has been equally as good, I, I would say. Obviously, they have a 3-2 series lead. Um, I guess, who, who do you give the edge to in goaltending? I think maybe the easier answer would be Cal Shell, but um, for, for these last two games, um, obviously the last time that the Van Bruins and, and Boston Below us saw the net in the Whitney Forum, um, he, he got pulled in the third period after maybe five or six goals. Um, so who do, you, who do you give the edge to in goaltending for this game coming up tomorrow night and, uh, and a possible game seven? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think for a second Boston Belois was the culprit for the five he gave up in the Whitney Forum. I don't think Jason Tatarnik thinks that either, uh, to be fair. Anyways, do, who has the edge? Well, you know what? I can't really think any of the 
five games that the goalies were the reason their teams lost. You know, you always need a big save here and there in the playoffs, and both teams have got that. So, uh, you know, honestly, Jacob, I think it's an absolute, uh, I don't know if you'd agree with that, I think it's an absolute dead heat because they both have more than done their jobs. Yep, I, I agree. And those two goals that Boston led in in, in the first period, obviously they were they were power play goals for, for Flynn Flon, but they were some nice shots that uh, I think that first goal was that toe drag and then a shot yeah. from the hash marks that just went top corner. Unbelievable yeah, not, shot. Not, not, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not picking on anybody, just being honest. Also, as a podcast medium, so we're trying to be entertaining. <laughs> but Nolan Jones does need to do better on the Jaden Mercier uh, goal there the first time. But I'm not saying anything that nobody knows. And big time kudos to Mercier. Great point, Jacob. Mercier's goal and then Zach Smith was just also perfect right where he was shooting it too so right you know good point and uh, uh and as I'm filling in the role of uh Rory McGoran here the the usual host of uh SJ at noon he always likes to put you on the spot with predictions Newsy. so what do we got here for game six and do we have a game seven you know what I uh you know what I have somebody that believes in staying with your prediction from the past and staying, oh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. If, if you call it, you know, don't just don't just change your mind unless it's unless it's real clear. Don't want to be someone who changes. So I'm going to stick with it. I picked the Estevan Bruins to win in six. I hope they let me in the forum. <laughs> uh, so I'm going with a four to three Estevan win. They take the lead in the third and hang on, and then go ballistic on Whitney Ice. What do you think? Um, you know what? I'm I'm watching the home team win every game, and uh, you know what? I think it's a real tall task for Esteban to go into the Whitney and win in front of those fans. I think it's going to be a terrific game on Tuesday night. I think it's going to be close. Might come down to the buzzer, just like Game Three did. I think Weechester scored with less than a minute left, and then obviously Game Five there was there was a goal to tie it with five seconds left. But I think the home team is winning the last two games, Newsy. But I think I think they're both going to be great games. Might go with Estevan in seven. Um, Coach Reagan and, and the Bombers might not like to hear that, but um, you know the best two words in sports: Game Seven. I'm I'm really looking forward to Game Six first off, but Game Seven will be will be terrific if my prediction comes true. Yeah, the home the home teams have absolutely been, you know, the better teams pretty much on every night, and you know game. Four game three, you think about the Bru- the bombers on this ice surface. You know that game was probably the well the game. Yeah, I guess three and five. You're right to mention because they're the ones that are kind of the coupling in terms of uh, you know real, real, real games that were really in doubt one way or the other. Real, you know, the whole way. Uh, but you know, it's been a great series. Home ice has been great for both teams. I'm a little concerned about Flynn Flon's depth right now, mm-hmm. and that you know, at this point, that that scares me just a tad. But do love the Whitney Forum and the faithful and Flynn Flon. So yeah, you know, nothing's personal. If you don't like my prediction or anybody's prediction, tweet you know, at him. Prove it wrong. Oh, tweet at him. <laughs> tweet yeah. at I'm talking about the players. I guess. Oh they, yeah. You pr- prove <laughs> prove us wrong. We'd be happy to say, hey, we were wrong. Yeah. Ha- very happy to do that. That's right. So. And I guess to that point, it'll be interesting to see the injury report that comes out uh, before the game. Obviously, Flim Flon battling some injuries, but either way, Game Six Tuesday night. 
Uh, like we said, channel 48 and 348 on Sastel Max is going to be terrific. Really looking forward to it. Newsy, thanks for doing this little CAA road report as we're uh, as we're driving up to Flin Flon, just north of Southie here. It's been a treat. Been a treat, as they say. It was good.